then we see that. That's right. We cannot escape. <laughs> These people sacrificed so much for us. to offer you, huh? Did you have your ears on? Yes. <laughs> because outside there are only trees. I know flowers. Nothing really, right? So I thought I'd put some flower for you, <laughs> okay? As a decoration for our very holy meditation hall. Better today, I have a bigger channel. My level of meditation has gone up. What happened to you? You don't laugh anymore? Oh, okay, okay. So, so little light here, huh? You know what? Mm. You could come a little closer, huh? Sit around. Like this you feel better, I think. It's too, too formal, huh? Some of you can sit on here. Uh, bedtime story. Okay? It's such a boring place here. Huh? Don't you think? A little bit, huh? A little bit is very polite, this is. <laughs> it's a little bit too much. So I thought I'd put some decoration for myself, make you feel a little better. Behind there, if you have chairs, you can sit high, okay? You can sit on high or you can stand. Uh, bedtime story. Usually before the children sleep, mother read the story, right? <laughs> so that uh, you can uh, sleep better. Right, now, there's some... You know, sometimes you read the whole book and you can't find any good story, right? You waste the whole time. And you can select only one story or two stories at the most. 
Okay, now, there is a story about this. Uh, I don't know if I have told you this story already or not. If I did, please remind me. Yeah? I'm getting old and I forget. <laughs> like the person today who wants to study English. <laughs> mm. Everything okay now? All the ears in order? Yeah? Your ears working? <laughs> okay. Huh? Yes? How to say yes in uh, Poland? Tak. Tak. It is very good. And thank you. Cinquevo. Cinquevo. Cinque. Eh? Chico, cinque, cinco. 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 Okay, there is a story about a Zen master and an emperor. Hmm? So in the old time, many kings and great emperor uh, like to study with the great wise master in order so that they will be wiser and then they can take care of the nation and the state affair in a better way. So uh, it happens in China, it happens in uh, India, it happened in Japan, yeah? that the emperors, the kings, most often go to uh, a wise, so-called wise practicing master and ask for advice about state affair. So here is one of the stories in Japan. There was a um, Japan em Japan's emperor, his name is Gozosei. Yeah? Gozosei, you know? You don't know. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> we don't have to know. All the kings die anyhow. Yeah? Even you're the great king, you know more. I am still here. I'm supposed to be the king of China long time ago, many times. So if I'm still here, <laughs> uh, that means it's okay. The king sometimes is a great practitioner themselves. Yeah? For example, in Vietnam, this is just introduction. Introduction. It's not come to the story yet. In Vietnam, there was many. There were many kings who were under the influence of great Zen master, or Buddhist master, or Taoist master. As you know already, different background of religion doesn't mean different in enlightenment. If we have the source of wisdom connected to us, huh? Okay. Uh, so, there was one king, he was very, very famous about being very loving and compassion, compassionate. And one, uh, most often he go out and then uh, uh, looking at his subjects and seeing how they live their life to see whether he can help them in any way. So one day he went outside and he saw uh, a very sick person, very old, sick and poor, laying on the road, roadside, and die, yeah, without much clothes on his body. Perhaps he was very poor, perhaps he had disaster, like flood or earthquake, and then his house was destroyed, and then he has no job, 
and then he just uh, died with poverty and cold. It was a winter night. And when the king, the Vietnamese king, saw the dead body, almost half naked, he took, he took off his own royal robe and wrapped around that person. It just shows that he was a very compassionate king. His name is Li Tan, Li Tan Tong. Hmm? I don't know how to translate it into English. We don't need to. It's, it means it means uh, Li is his uh, f- familiar name, yeah. Just like uh, Müller or <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Clinton, for example, yeah, first uh, familiar name. And then uh, Tan Tong means uh, very respected saint, yeah. So the name. Is, uh, the king's name is mean a very respected saint, sage. So anyhow, he was truly a very respected wise sage of his time. So under his rule, the Vietnam country, the Aula country, was very, very uh, prosperous and people were very happy. But of course, there are always some, you know, special case that he can never take care of, like in most of the country. Even like in America, you know, huh? The most famous for being rich and powerful, huh? And the American people are supposed to be the guide of the world, the policemen of the world, because they're powerful, they have money, and they have weapons, and they, they can protect many of the small country, and they have great influence of the world. That's what everybody thinks, or some of the people think. But still, in America, if you stay there long, or if you go there sometime and you take attention, pay attention, then you see a lot of people homeless, yeah? And they shiver in the winter without much uh, belonging. Sometimes they have only a coat on their, on their, uh, on their body, yeah? and they don't have any possession at all. They will go from one place to another and they beg for food, for sometimes a shelter, or a little job so that they can survive. Or they look into the garbage, uh, garbage uh, can, no, can, the dustbin, the trash bin, to take out some leftover food or something that people discard so that they can satisfy their hunger for a while. Hmm? Or they look into the garbage uh, place so they can find some poor clothes, to, some uh, discarded clothes to wear. Yeah? So even in the most powerful country as America, we find such homeless and poor people. Uh, in Germany too, hmm? in Germany too. But most of the time uh, in Germany, people go into kind of uh, Flakeheim. Huh? Yeah, the government uh, makes some shelter or some of the organization they make shelter for these poor people. So in the night, they will go there to sleep. And if they want, they can stay there for a while, and they have some soup or something to eat. So it isn't that bad. It's not that bad. Uh, when I was living in Germany, in Munich, even though Munich was a very beautiful city and very uh, uh, prosperous, but still, sometimes you will find some people sleeping uh, on the roadside or on the riverside. Yeah. Next to my house, there was a man. Uh, I, I never have spoken to him because he seems to be 
very lonely and he doesn't want to speak to people. Sometimes when I, you know, pass by with a car or something, I saw him with very big clothes. You have a lot of clothes. He wear all kind of his possession. All of his possession is on his body. <laughs> and then sometimes he stay in uh, some old house, that uh, empty houses. And I think he's one of the homeless men yeah, in Germany. Hmm? Uh, I have tried to help him sometimes, <laughs> but he doesn't seem to like to speak or get contact with people that much. He seems happy, he seems okay, maybe he likes it. Maybe he likes the way of freedom. <laughs> have nothing means freedom, right? Nobody come and rope you, nobody do anything to you. He's an old man. But he looks okay. What I mean is, uh, or even in Paris or other places, yeah, you can see sometimes people uh, walking on the road without any possession and so with a little clothes on. And sometimes they put a sign, you know, for food or something like that. And whenever I can, I always stop the car and give them something. Sometimes um, the men look very healthy and strong, but they also beg on the street. And sometimes uh, the driver, my driver, or my disciple who drives, tell me that, oh, Master, this man, he doesn't look like, he doesn't look like he needs money, you know. But I say, never mind. If he asks, we give him. Because uh, he's already, he must be very, very desperate in order to, to, to forget his dignity as a man, to stand on the street and beg for, for something like that. I ask him, if you can do it, he said, no. I said, then that man must be in some situation that he put himself uh, beyond shame and, you know, dignity in order to get something to survive. So we nevertheless give him something. Not too much that he will buy drug or alcohol and things like that, but enough for him to survive for one or two days. Yeah, And then somebody else will help him along then he'll be all right. Yeah. Or maybe his situation is better. One day I was in Vietnam too when I was younger. Oh, I'm still young, but when I was very, very young, <laughs> yeah, there, I was shopping in the market in Sai Kong, yeah, and then there was a lady, very old, not very old, around 60, very noble-looking, good clothes, yeah, and good bearing, but she come and crying and begging everybody for some money because all her money has been stolen from her and she can't go back home. Her house is in a different province, it's not in Saigon, and she was crying and begging all the time and nobody believed her, nobody gave her anything because she looked so good, well-groomed, and her clothes were expensive. Nobody believed that she needs anything. And then when she come to me, I, I asked her why you have to uh, be in such a needy position. You, you look very well. Would you uh, please tell me? And she said, she's been robbed. And since yesterday, she has nothing to eat, nowhere to sleep, and she doesn't know how to go home. Yeah. She said, normally she's not a beggar. That is true, but in this situation, she can't do anything else, so please help her. So I took out whatever money I had at that time and gave it all to her. It wasn't much, perhaps, but it's enough for her to get a, and a bus ticket and go home. And so she was so happy that just in one, one time she, 
she has enough money to go and don't have to go back on the street anymore. So she, she prostrated <laughs> uh, in front of me, you know, on the street. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> I jumped back. I said, oh, please, don't do that, Mama. You're old enough to be my mother. <laughs> in Vietnam, people are very respectful of the old person, you know. And if the old person pay respect to you, <laughs> it's very scary. <laughs> and I was very young, very young at that time. <laughs> so I was very scared. So I'm just telling you that uh, uh, this kind of situation of poverty and needy people are everywhere, even in the most uh, powerful and rich country, as you know yourself. Eh? And uh, so, I don't know why I talk so much about poverty. We have everything here. <laughs> we don't have the sun. <laughs> I put some sun for you. Hmm? So. Some things are that it shines a little bit because it looks so miserable here. <laughs> what kind of holiday place is that? Huh? <laughs> I don't know how you find such a place. <laughs> Must be like a track like. <laughs> miserable Buddha find a miserable place. <laughs> Anyhow, I feel better today. I feel you're more relaxed and more clean and more pure. Yeah, more natural. Many of the stone has become softened. <laughs> so we can have good laugh today and it was very good, huh? It was very good. At least in the last day we can laugh, otherwise you come home remember me like this. <laughs> Anyhow, whatever I told you in the first day, you should have forgotten, right? Even injection, sometimes the doctor gives you injection, even a poisonous injection like morphine sometimes, yeah? Uh, when the doctor knows the dose, it's okay. It doesn't harm you. But you must not be, uh, I would say, attached to that and remember that because the doctor gives many other things, right? Mm. Even though, like morphine, it eases your pain and it helps you for a while, but you should not always ask for that. Like some people come and ask me to scold them. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah? Like if, if, if you're sick in which kind of sickness, a doctor gives you which kind of medicine, huh? you can't just force the doctor to give you the one that you like, even though it's good, but you are very funny. You always ask me sort of things impossible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now we go to Japan, all right? We run around the world from America to Vietnam, <laughs> Germany, France. <laughs> now we go to Japan, yeah? finally. There was a king called... Goyose, yeah. He studied Zen under uh, Gudo. Gudo was the name of a Zen master at that time. Uh, and so the king inquired the master, Master, please tell me, in Zen, is our mind, mind is the Buddha, is that correct? So the Gudo master answered him, If I say yes, you will think, that you understand without truly understanding. If I say no, I would be contradicting a fact which many understand quite well. Now, that's the way Zen people talk. <laughs> huh? Very complicated. <laughs> but you understood? No? Yes. You're a Zen master, look like. <laughs> yes, yes. What he means is, since, okay, since you don't understand, I pretend that I understand, 
<laughs> and then maybe I pretend to explain to you, and then if uh, you think you understand, you just pretend to tell me yes, all right? <laughs> Otherwise, if, if, since I'm a master, I'm supposed to know everything. And now if I pretend to say I don't know, then we are in trouble. Huh? Now, why is that? The master say, normally people in China are in Zen, they say, ah, everything comes from the mind. You know what I mean? So even Buddha, you create the Buddha yourself from your mind. So that's why the king asked the, uh, the, the master whether is really our mind is a Buddha. Apart from what we think, there is no Buddha. Is that correct? So the master say, if I say yes, then you think you understand. But then it's not really understanding. Why is it so? Because, because at that time, perhaps, the em emperor has not reached the true level of understanding of this kind of thing. So if the master affirms his uh, thinking or his knowledge, then he thinks, ah, yeah, I understand. Just like many people come to us and discuss about books and what they know about Buddhism and what they know about Christianity and what they know about Zen and what not. And then they think they know everything. And if you affirm their view, you say, yes, what you say is correct. Then they think they understand even more. But actually, only conceptual understanding, not the true enlightenment. That's why the Master says to the king, I cannot say yes to you. But that doesn't mean it's not true. Huh? doesn't mean what he says is not true. But what it means is that what he understood is not yet the complete picture. Just like I told you today, if you read a kind of fairy tale story, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you have come in contact with the person inside the story. Right? You read the Cinderella story, that doesn't mean you know Cinderella. You don't know that person personally. Yeah. Similarly, when we read uh, scriptures and all kinds of sutras, that doesn't mean we know the Buddha or we know the preacher. Many of uh, you read books before you see me, right? Before initiation, read my books, uh, the books that the people write for me, uh, about me. But that doesn't mean you know me, right? Until you come in contact with us and get initiation, you don't truly know what Ching Hai is and who, who she is and what she talks about. You can read the, the sentence and everything, but you don't know the, the thing that she gives without talking, right? Until after initiation. Same thing. The king was probably just newly initiated, or maybe Xiu Fang Bien Fa, you know. <laughs> maybe just convenient method. <laughs> uh, ten day vegetarian, <laughs> something like that, and twenty days eggs and fish. <laughs> so he probably tried to go to the master, approach the master, and trying to ease some of his understanding, and then thinking that by asking and talking, he will understand what Zen is all about. That's why the master told the king, it's the, in, in, in effect like, uh, what you know is just theory, you don't truly understand. That's why I cannot confirm your question. But then if he say his question is not correct, if he say the king's knowledge is, the, the, what the king have heard is not correct, that's also not, not, not true. Because truly what <laughs> everything comes from, come from the mind, the heart, what they call yi xie wei xing zao. 
the, the mind or the heart doesn't mean the brain, huh? it doesn't mean the, the physical heart, it's just the thinking process, it's the illusionary world in which we weave our very dream, dream world and every kind of imaginary uh, scenery and um, you know, level of consciousness. So, as long as we still can think, we still can imagine, then we can create a very illusionary Buddha of our own. Huh? That's why every Buddha's, every person's concept about Buddha is different. Unless we have a direct contact with the Buddha nature, like most of the initiates people do by us, then the Buddha always remains a kind of figure, you know, kind of imagination to suit our own taste. So everyone Buddha is different. Mm. Therefore, he say, if he, uh, he say yes, also not correct. If he say no, it's not correct. Now, do you understand? If you don't, just pretend <laughs> that... <laughs> huh? So we both pretend that we have solved the problem so that we can go further. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, we sit here and talk about this until tomorrow. Yeah. Some Zen people, you know, some Zen experts, they can talk about this sentence for many years. You know that. Yeah? Sometimes they sit there or they lay there on the stand and they go around with one sentence all the time. Who am I? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mu? <laughs> What is mu? Oh. Oh, what is emptiness? What is u? U means emptiness, thing like that. And they go around all their life running around with that question, with that sentence. So actually we solve the problem quickly, right? <laughs> In a few minutes we have finished already the half of the story. Well, oh, nearly half. Most of the Zen stories are very short, so I have to put a lot of pepper and salt and you know, all kind of <laughs> uh, condiment, a kind of uh, spice to make it longer. Otherwise, I just sit here, uh, read the story, two minutes and goodbye. <laughs> and both of us don't understand anything. <clears throat> Most of the Zen stories are very complicated, short, concentrated, but very mysterious. That's the way Zen people are, you know. They talk, but they don't let you understand. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the, the, the important part about Zen, so that everybody thinks, wow, wow, oh, that man, he talks and I can never figure out what he says. <laughs> oh, he must be very enlightened, you know, wise person. Whatever he talks, nobody understands. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> so now, another day, the, the king, I don't know if he was satisfied or dissatisfied with the answer of the master. But uh, the book didn't say anything. Just stop there. Okay. So I guess the king probably pretended to be satisfied, yeah? just like we did. <laughs> so they can continue their Zen lesson and relationship. So that the king would not lose his face, you know, that the master would not scold him and think, My God, such a stupid emperor you are. Yeah? How can you become king when you're so stupid? <laughs> so he pretend to understand. So the story did not continue after that. So it says that long, sometime later, sometime later, one day, the emperor asked his master again, Master, 
where does the enlightenment enlightenment go after he die? Wow, that's a very good question. Do you know where he goes after we die? Yeah, you know? Really, you do? Fantastic. Because mm. I don't. <laughs> and then Guru answer, Master say, I don't know. Same like me. <laughs> he said, I don't know. Mm. And the emperor was very surprised. I asked, Master, why you don't know? So the master said, because, uh, because I have not died yet. <laughs> so, you think that's a very correct answer? Hmm? Hmm? And then it's supposed to be here like the emperor hesitated to inquire further about these kind of, of things that, that his mind cannot understand. But then he was a little bit, uh, you know, reluctant to leave and I just kind of uh, staying between asking or being quiet or going and leaving, you know, I didn't know what to do. So suppose the master supposed to uh, beat the hand on the floor like that <laughs> and then cause the king to be enlightened. My God, if that is so easy, then you come every day and I beat the floor. <laughs> and we have no need for initiation and all that. It makes so much trouble. So the emperor was enlightened. You think it's so easy? Yeah? No? So what happened here? Huh? I, huh? He what? He pretend to be enlightened. Perhaps this is more, more or less, huh? Maybe he was so frightened. <laughs> like when I scold you yesterday and then you have no more question, <laughs> no more problem. You say, okay, Master, I know everything already. <laughs> yes, similarly, because the emperor was the highest personage in a country, especially in Japan. The king was made God incarnate, you know? So, in that case, nobody has ever, never, ever, ever scolded him before in his life or even make noise in front of his presence. So therefore he was very shocked, yeah? Perhaps he's shocked and then everything's gone from him. <laughs> and then perhaps because he was so shocked, his mind, his complicated, calculating mind stopped functioning for a split second. And then at that time, perhaps he was, yes, it's empty enough, clear enough, pure enough to receive a flash of intuition or knowledge. Perhaps it's like that. Or he was so frightened, he fainted. <laughs> and then other people think he was in Samadhi. Well. <laughs> Well, you have to save the king's face, you know, you can't say he fainted or collapsed. <laughs> you must say he's in Samari. Perhaps that's how the story goes. You see, even the king, if he has so much nonsense, the master will not beat him, but beat the floor. <laughs> A symbolic, you know, you don't beat the king. Eh? Besides, uh, what for do you beat a person? Eh? If a good person, you just beat the floor, he understands. Hmm? So you see, when you come to a master, you must forget that you are a king. You must forget that you are a professor. 
you must forget that you are a very important, rich person in the society, or you must forget even that you have some spiritual knowledge beforehand. Otherwise, you can't understand much, because you are full of preconceived idea, and then whatever the Master say, you just try to pull it into your own direction and understand it in the old way of habitual thinking without truly understanding the essence of the Master teaching. So it's good in this uh, situation that at least the king has forgotten his position and let the Master scold him. I, it, it happened also in, with me recently in Africa. I met a prince and he wanted so much to be uh, initiated, but sometimes he, he, he wanted in a prince way, you know. <laughs> so I scolded him so badly. <laughs> I said, I don't want to accept you as a disciple. You leave my room right now. <laughs> and so he came home, and afterward he telephoned and said, Nobody ever screamed at me like this before. <laughs> But I let you. I said, what do you mean I let you? <laughs> I scream at everybody, don't you know that? <laughs> so, but he was, you know, uh, trying his best to pretend to be humble. <laughs> so after a while, at least he understood, you know, and he, he tried hard. It was very difficult for some person in a high position to humble himself, yeah? I, I don't care. Whatever I have to do, I do. I don't, I don't care who he is. I was very polite, very, I'll say, uh, accommodating to him. But to a certain extent, then he has to know. He has to know not to push me. <laughs> yes. Because uh, he's a prince, and many people, many so-called spiritual practitioners or master in his land was running after him, you know, and praising him, of course, and even if can accept him as a disciple is an honor for them, for their group and for their uh, sect, thing like that. So he's not used to with the truth. I said to him, perhaps you have many friends, perhaps you know many people, perhaps you have many teachers, but I don't think anybody ever teach you, uh, I mean, uh, actually nobody has ever teach you anything, ever taught you anything, because they don't teach you. They just make you feel good. They just tell you whatever you like to hear. <laughs> they just make you understand whatever you want to understand, or you already un understood, confirming your viewpoint. But they, nobody has ever really taught you. He say, yes, 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 that's why, I know, I know. That's why I come to you, so please teach me. I say, it's very difficult to teach you, but maybe I try. <laughs> And then it's, it's it's difficult, but okay, it's his choice. Hmm? I have tried my best, and if he can make it better, it's good for him. If he cannot, what do I care? <laughs> I have tried my best, but many times I scolded him, and I must admit that he has a very very sincere heart to try to be humble, at least try. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sometimes, uh, sometimes he cry, but but he did not. Uh, Fight back, you know. He did not try to, to how say, contradict me or, or do something. He was very, very sincere. At least in his position and his way of life, in his spoiled, <laughs> brat way, <laughs> he was very humble, trying very hard. I appreciate his effort. But since uh, he has to go all his way, you know, himself, I can't just stand around and scold him all the time. 
So I said to him, whatever I give you today, you save it and slowly use it. Mm. And we see each other. He wants to leave everything and come with me every day, everywhere. But I can't stand you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Enough, okay? Uh, some other time you, we see each other. So when I can run to Paris, I was so happy to escape, <laughs> escape from a, a persistent disciple. And then he said, oh, please, uh, uh, two days later I come to Paris and see you, and I, everywhere you go, I go with you. I said, what for? He said, well, I do anything you, you want. I said, I don't need anybody. I see already a few people around me I'm already make me crazy. One more person, I die. <laughs> but he likes to, so he, he thinks that when I go to Paris, I will let him know where I stay. I said, maybe. And then I never let, so I escape. Otherwise, you will see one black prince sitting here. <laughs> we call him Teddy Bear. <laughs> it looks like a black bear. <laughs> he likes the name. Chris, his Christian name. <laughs> because no one has ever been impolite to him or call him like that. But he liked it. Okay. So that's uh, one of the story. Mm. So I don't scold. Yesterday you saw me that I scold you a lot, huh? Or some of you think I scold you a lot. Huh? It's nothing. It's nothing compared to what I did to him. Every day and three, four times a day. I didn't have time, so I had to wash him quickly. <laughs> but he accepted it, you see? So he has, he has improved a lot, very much improved. But I don't know if I left him, he will continue or not. Why did I tell you all this story? Why, why was it? What was it before? What was it before? Oh, yes, yes, you have to forget your position, your power, and your secular or spiritual knowledge if you want to learn something new from a higher order, from a true teaching, from a true master. Huh? So. Uh. <laughs> okay, so now, so uh, the emperor is supposed to be enlightened after the teacher bang on the floor like that. So, uh, after that, since then, the king has become a very devoted disciple of this master and respected him very much. Uh, and be he because he became more and more enlightened each day. Perhaps not because of the bang on the floor, but because of the initiation afterward. <laughs> Probably the Master was fed up with so many of his 1001 bookish questions, so he just said, enough, go over there, sit, <laughs> and recite the five names, <laughs> and do the Kuan Yin, something like that, perhaps. And then after the initiation in this way, he became enlightened, more enlightened, more enlightened. Mm? Uh, so, so the uh, the emperor is supposed to uh, respect his teacher very much. That even in the the royal court, he has allowed the teacher to wear the hat in the winter, because the master is getting older. Yeah. And one time uh, he he was very old and he sat there and give lecture to people, and then he fell asleep. So <laughs> uh, the master. Just uh, quietly, oh no, the emperor quietly retired to another place and let the master sleep. Yes. So that is the end of the story. Ah.
<laughs> now, anything else you want? Can you sleep now? No, no what do you mean, no? <laughs> huh? Another story? I don't know really if there's so many good stories like that. Uh, it's, nothing is really good. You see, the story is about that short. Yeah, about that short. So I talk already half an hour. This is already very <laughs> squeezy, very hard. Most of the story is just not much, but we can make it, of course, of course. Of course we can do that. Let me see. There are many stories, but I don't know if I should tell you. Uh, I don't know. Did I tell you about the tunnel? The tunnel. Tunnel. No? There was a person, huh? <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, in the, the practicing people, they are full of questions. They read too much of the Diamond Sutra, they read too much of the Bible, they read too much of any holy books, and they come to me and throw all stones at me, you know, like question why, how. In the Buddha Sutra it says that, why you say this, you know what I mean? Because what they understand is different from the the truly meaning of the true meaning. So I have a lot of, of headaches sometimes like that. Yeah. So this is one of the story about how Zen master also have to uh, digest this kind of headache every day because there are always new people come all the time, and new people with always bring with them a lot of garbage. You know, like they read so many books and they come and would ask me about book inside. And then they probably understand differently and will not agree with what we understand because we have direct knowledge and they have book knowledge. And sometimes, so, uh, sometimes people go shopping around for different masters and teachers and school techniques and they would come and would make trouble for me. Like I have to explain why in their school they teach like this and that other or whether in their school it says it's the best method, why I say here is also the best, thing like that, you know. So if Truly, if you want to progress in any kind of uh, uh, study, you should just follow one, okay? If you think this is good for you, you follow. If you think that's good for you, you just go. No, nobody can decide for you. Because, as I told you, a children from kindergarten school cannot be forced to study in college, anyhow, or vice versa. Huh? So you have to find what is suitable for you. Hmm? If you come to ask me, Master, I have followed another teacher before and he teaches this and that, and now I follow you, which one is better? What do you say? Huh? If I say here is better, you say, of course, of course you advertise for your school. And if I say the other teacher is better, I'm crazy. Am I crazy? <laughs> you know what I mean? So either way, it's no favorable answer for you and for me. Hmm? All right. Uh, if 
even between Kwan Yin school, uh, many people teach light and sound, for example, then there is still the difference. Yeah? You have affinity with which master, and which master's style suits you better, make you quicker, enlightened, make you understand deeper, yeah? and make your life change faster. Yeah, and then make your love more open, your wisdom about everyday and things like that. So you have to, to, to know yourself, you have to trust your own intuition, intuition. If you come and ask me, which master is good? Of course I say, Master Ching Hai, huh? <laughs> because, because at the moment I know that's, the, that's the, the only good master that I know. How do I know all the master is good? Put it that way, how do I know? I only know what I know, right? The most intimate person is myself. The only person I can guarantee to you, 100%, is myself, whether bad or good. I can only tell you about myself. Other people, personality, level of practice is none of my business. Why should I go and poke my nose into other people's level and way of teaching and criticize or praise whether it's good or bad, you know what I mean? You are the one who must decide, right? So many questions should not be asked in the first place. Now, here is one of the, you know, boring type of student here. There's a story. The story uh, is called How Grass and Trees Also Become Enlightened. Now, during the Kamakura period, it must be uh, in uh, Japan, huh? Shinkan, study Tiantai, Tiantai sect, yeah, Tiantai in, in Chinese, so for six years, and then study Zen seven more years, oh God. And then he went to China and contemplated Zen for 13 years more. <sighs> wow, huh? That's why I say he has nothing else better to do. <laughs> Not like me, I'm so busy. Huh? In the old time, uh, when you have some money and you have some uh, travel expenses enough, you can go anywhere, not better. In the old time, and it was a long time ago, and he still can manage to go to China for 13 years. So it must be a very sincere, devoted, true seeker. Mm. Now, when he returned to Japan, many people in Japan desired to interview him and ask many obscure, stupid questions. But then, uh, whenever uh, uh, this person, Shinkan, Shinkan, whenever this Zen uh, Master Shinkan received visitors, he seldom answered any of their questions. You see? So I'm already very good. I always pretend that I know all of your questions. <laughs> I always pretend to answer you, huh? At least you satisfy your mind. And you think that I'm not such an arrogant master, huh? aloof. Huh? So, now, this master don't answer people's questions. Well, I don't blame him. Most of questions are garbage anyhow, right? He doesn't want to give them a stupid answer, so... But one day, a 50 years old student of enlightenment said to Shinkan, I have studied the Tendai school of thought since I was a little boy, but one thing in it I cannot understand, because Tiandai school 
claims that even the grass and the trees will become enlightened. To me, this seems very strange. Does it seem strange to you? Huh? Does it? Yes, it does. Really? Haven't you seen a tree enlightened before? No? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to you. <laughs> okay, so now. Now the master perhaps uh, too tired after seeing too many persons. So he said, why you ask me so this useless question? And the, the, the enlightened, fifty years enlightenment person said to him, it's important to me. Oh, please answer. So the master say, the question is not how grass and trees can become enlightened, but how you yourself become enlightened. Right? And so the person supposed to be more enlightened now. <laughs> so he said, ah, I never thought of it this way. So the master said, okay, now go home and think about it. <laughs> so that's how he get rid of the enlightened person. You see, that's, that's how people ask you all the time. Many people come to any master, not just to learn, but to sometimes ask stupid things. But in this case, the man is sincere. Eh? So at least he is very sincere. He didn't want to show off his knowledge or to argue with the master, really. But he truly wanted to know because he didn't know. Even after fifty years of enlightenment in Tendai school, he did not know why, how grass and tree can become enlightened. So many people ask such useless questions like that. You know very well, huh? When you go in, into any Zen school, they would ask you, "Do you know what is the purpose of Bodhidharma went to <laughs> China?" Thing like that, you know. So sometimes the master was fed up. In the old time, they get a chair and then bang over his head. <laughs> I don't say nothing. But in the old time, people are more gentle. If, if the master did that to them, they would be considered as an honor. And even though they didn't get enlightened, <laughs> you know, <laughs> through that, at least they saw some light, you know, flashing light. They saw stars and things like that. <laughs> when the chair was bang on their head, well, at least <laughs> they saw some light. So maybe they pretend, at least they, if they're not enlightened, they pretend that they got some enlightenment. So they consider the master treat them like that is an honor. But nowadays, oh, if I put a chair on everybody's head, oh my God, <laughs> I'd be in trouble, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm lucky that they don't put chair on my head. <laughs> so you see now? <clears throat> Many people ask such a garbage question all the time, and they come and show off their knowledge. The more of such questions they know, the better Zen practitioner they supposed to be. So there are, uh, happen to that, that such situation and such a kind of uh, practicing uh, uh, fashion breeds a lot of funny story. Yeah. Or, or some kind of a little bit uh, funny, some kind of a little bit uh, kind of uh, not tragic, but just a little bit, uh, I'll say, funny, yeah? and you can say uh, traumatic things. Like in Japan, the more 
of such stupid question you can answer, <laughs> the more enlightened you're supposed to be. So many of people come there to study Zen in order to be enlightened. And if they cannot solve such stupid question, then they cannot become a Zen master, and therefore they cannot build a temple and become an abbot, thing like that. So sometimes they have to buy the enlightenment. How they buy the enlightenment? <laughs> there are some books, you know, in which all kind of such question is answered. Yes. So if they bribe very well some of the head monk or some of the monk in some of the temple, they can buy all these enlightenments in very cheap price. So in case you dissatisfy with me, you can consider Japan <laughs> as your next destination for enlightenment. It's all for the buying, you know. Money can buy <laughs> enlightenment. Because uh, in, in the old time, the Master leaves so many questions like this, which they call koan, you know very well. Huh? And the more koan you can solve, the more enlightened you're supposed to be. So some monks are impatient, they just buy it quickly. <laughs> 170 koan solved <laughs> in half an hour. And then when they answer the Master, well, when they, they can answer the Master, they answer, and then the koans pass, and then they became Master. In that way, enlightenment is quicker, more, more than immediate. <laughs> in, our, in our place, we call immediate enlightenment, that's for sure. But then we have to sit there for two hours, listen to all kind of instructions and rules and all that. Oh, there you don't need. You can eat meat, you can drink wine, you can uh, do anything you want, most of the thing. And then uh, you buy the enlightenment. <laughs> You see, so there are different kind of uh, huh? different kind of objects, different price. Now, do you want that kind of enlightenment? Hmm? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a that's a problem. Some people also go and ask me similar question like, uh, how, what kind of level you know, certain such person is. What kind of level Kuan Yin Bodhisattva is, and, and things like that. I said, you better know what kind of level you are in. It's better for you <laughs> than to check, check up on <laughs> Bodhisattva. <laughs> yes, it's a similar story. Yeah? Uh, it is a li little difficult to laugh tonight, huh? because uh, all kind of language you have to wait. Huh? Right? In the afternoon it was more fun. Huh? When we have different group of people, huh? it's more fun, no? Uh, okay, maybe next time we do that again. Tomorrow, tomorrow you have only time to get up, clean your teeth, and pack your tent. It's so fast, huh? See, so fast. Tomorrow you have to go already. Too fast. Too bad. You wanted it. You want three days, no? Seven days. Boo boo. Can you stay seven days? Yes. Can you bear it? I mean, can I bear it? <laughs> okay, perhaps next time. Huh? But next time we don't have initiation in the middle of, of this animal. It's too much, too much for me. Because the newcomer, they always make trouble. Yeah? Especially those who read a lot of Buddhist books. And they will come with the stacks of books inside their head and come here and <laughs> hit you. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. They will understand it. Sooner or later, it takes some time. And if their ego even allow them to humble themselves, 
to receive something or not? That's another question. Many people cannot subdue their arrogance, cannot take uh, the pain for their pride. Therefore, very difficult to learn. Eh? See how many people in the world? So much, and we have only that much in Europe. See? Very difficult. Uh, okay? Enough? No, my God. Uh, it's all kind of garbage here. <laughs> uh, let me see. pretend to hear the first time, that's all right. And I pretend that I don't remember. Okay, let me see which is better. <laughs> there was a story, very cute. This is a short story, okay? Light and doesn't matter if you understand or not, okay? <laughs> this is a story called A Dreamland, okay? One at a time. Uh, A disciple of Soyen Shaku related the story that his master used to take a nap every afternoon. <coughs> Instead of listening to the inner sound, we hear only the outer noise. <coughs> like that. Okay. Maybe a different kind of Guan Yin method. <laughs> he wake up also feeling very refreshed and recharged. So one disciple said that his master always take a different kind of guanyin every day, uh, afternoon. Hmm? So then the student, students always ask the master, uh, why? why? Why you do it? You know, why you take a nap every afternoon? So the master always answered them, Oh, I go to dreamland, you know, beyond this world, and I saw an old master like, like Confucius when he, in the old time, Confucius used to, Say he goes to the dreamland, yeah? He dream, maybe he meditate, and go to beyond the world and see other master. So he said he did that, just as Confucius did before, went up and see some other master. Because when uh, Confucius slept, he would dream of ancient sages and later tell him, tell his followers about these sages. Well, you know the story, huh? Sometimes you meditate, huh? It looks like you sleep. But you go up and you see some of the ancient master, and then you converse to them. Okay, so the, we understand very well what Confucius did. All right, but then one day it was very hot, and the disciple worked very hard, so they all took a nap too. You know, tired, and then they all went and make, make take a siesta. Yeah. And then the schoolmaster scolded them. You know, said, "You lazy." So young and sleeping in the afternoon. What's the matter with you? Huh? Why don't you meditate like me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the, the disciples said, Well, we went to the dreamland as Confucius did. 
And then, so, so the Master said, All right, then tell me, what was the message? What did the Master in, in the dreamland say? And so the student, uh, students uh, say, Well, one of the students say, Well, we went to dreamland and met the sages and the, old, and the ancient masters, and then we asked them uh, whether our schoolmaster came there every afternoon or not. <laughs> Master, this story I told you already, but perhaps you can hear it again. There was a master called Joshua. He began to study Zen when he was 60 years old. Nearly, he nearly uh, reached the age of uh, non-initiated possible, but then he managed. Yeah, 60 years old, and then he continued until he was 80. It takes 20 years, and then he became realized, perhaps uh, fully enlightened, and then he taught people from 80 until 120. Ooh, ooh. In that case, you still have a lot of future. Hmm? <laughs> if I live until 120, my God, <laughs> I still have 80-something years. Oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is too frightening to think about. <laughs> okay, so now, a student once asked him, Master, if I have Nothing in my mind now. What shall I do? I mean, he's already empty, you know, very uh, full of relaxation, and no desire, no lust, no wanting, nothing anymore. So I said, if I have nothing in my mind now, what shall I do, Master? So the Master said, throw it away. And the, the student insists, but I have nothing. How can I throw away? Huh? Then... Uh, then, then the master said, okay, then keep it. <laughs> you understand? Okay, then keep it. No? You don't? You do, huh? <laughs> well, he said he has nothing, <laughs> but then he insists so much, so, so okay, then keep it. He has too much to throw out. Okay. You understand, huh? Many people think they are empty, you know, and they, they are attain the Tao, or they realize Buddhahood and things like that, and they think they have no more desire, and nothing, 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 you know, and that they wear baggy clothes, and they shave their head, and they're okay, they're all empty, you know, but actually it's not so. Emptiness is not from outside, it's from within. And as soon as you realize that you're empty, you are not, because there's the realization there, you know, <laughs> and the Zen smell is very strong. Mm. People call it Zen sickness. Huh? <laughs> so in case you have that, better go see doctor hmm? and throw it out. <laughs> uh, when we do not uh, know anything, we just uh, an ordinary person, 
then we do not uh, know so much. Yeah? Then we think we don't know. But as soon as we meditate for some time, then we think we know. Then after some of the time, and then we think we don't know again. So that's the best time when we don't know. Hmm? This is the time when we know best. If we are still full of knowledge and knowing and things like that, that means we are still halfway only. Yeah? So actually, all the things I'm telling you, it's just to amuse you, okay? to pass our time together, so that when you come home, for the human's emotion, for the human's mind and heart, you feel that you have got something from the Master. Yes, but all these are garbage. Yeah? And beautiful garbage, bad garbage, it's all garbage. <laughs> Just, but nevertheless, the things you realize is inside. It's not from my word. Of course, my word of encouragement and, uh, um, how to say, uh, of reminding, uh, maybe sometimes helps you, you know, to comfort you in some situation, and to change some of your uh, undesirable personality trait. But it's not the enlightenment. Enlightenment has nothing to do with personality, good or bad, moral or imperfection. Enlightenment is just our pure selves, never change, never become better, never become worse, never has been ignorant, and never has become enlightened again. It's always there, it has always been, it will always be, and it is now. So all these stories, explanation, and all my so-called secular knowledge, just amusement, just so that we have contact with each other in a personal level, so that we're happy together, okay? But don't carry too much garbage with you, all right? These are not the true teaching. The true teaching is always language-less, language-less, and you always know it. You know it inside, precisely, perfectly without anything explaining, without no exchanging of words, right? But we both have to pretend that <laughs> we need all this, so that I have some job to do, so that, that you have a reason to come, yeah? And then some good memory to bring home with, that's all. Uh, so now, there's another story. Some of the stories is very confusing to me. <laughs> I forget it. Hmm. Okay, there's a story called uh, Zen in a Beggar's Life. Okay. Um, Tosui was a well-known Zen teacher of his time. He had lived several, in several temples and taught in various provinces. He was a famous teacher of his time, has many students and has a lot of temples and things like that. What's the matter? Huh? Is crying time already? Oh. <laughs> Never mind. Save it for tomorrow. Oh. We still have a lot of time. <laughs> right? When you go on the bus, you can cry. Now just laugh. Huh? Live in the present moment. Zen, okay? Be Zen. <laughs> Now it's Zen o'clock. <laughs> it's really Zen o'clock, so 
Don't cry now, all right? Okay, listen. But the last temple, the last temple he visited accumulated so many disciples that Tosui, the master, told them he was going to quit the lecture business entirely. Wow. How come? Perhaps too many people. Huh? And he feel that people just go there without a real motive. When there are too many people assemble, assemble together, I don't think... Uh, may, maybe the master ordinary of a little bit more young, you know, medium master, can't handle. Yeah? Because in the um, old time, mostly the Zen people, they accept only a certain amount of disciples, as much as they can handle. Still now, still now. One Zen master I know in Taiwan, he only accepts about 25 to 50, at least at, at the maximum 50 person for a seven-day retreat, because he, uh, he said he can't handle more than that. Not because of the place. I don't know why he can't handle more than that, but well, that's his business. He never tell me. Secret. Chinese people, they keep all the business secret to themselves. <laughs> you know that? Yeah? You don't? Okay. Anyhow, so maybe the same in Zen temple, to accept just certain amount of people. But he was so famous, and too many people come to him, so he decided to quit his job. So he said, tell them, go anywhere they want and do whatever they like. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, he dispersed all the disciples, and then he left. And nobody ever can find him anywhere anymore. He just disappeared. Wow, that's a good idea. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> I keep thinking about that idea many times, but thinking, spend a lot, thinking, uh, how to say, thinking uh, costs a lot of energy, you know? So I just keep thinking, 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 and then all my energy is spent on thinking, <laughs> and then I don't do anything about it yet. Mm. Not yet. <laughs> I still continue to think. <laughs> okay. Sometimes when you press me too hard, when you throw too many garbage at me, or when you, oh, I don't know what, or when my mood is not so good, or when the Buddha told me to scold somebody, then I don't like. Yeah? Sometimes I don't like the job I do. I, I like the job as a whole. It's not bad, but I don't like some of the detail. You know what I mean? Yes. Like if the teacher have to uh, handle some naughty children in the school, that part the teacher doesn't like. Not that he doesn't like the teaching job. Hmm? Okay, anyhow, I keep thinking about that. It's a very interesting idea, anyhow, to think about. <laughs> so he disappeared like that. Nobody can ever find him. Ah, three years later, one of his uh, ex-disciples, <laughs> There's such thing as ex-wife, ex-husband, ex-president, and ex-disciple. <laughs> One of his ex-disciples discovered him uh, somewhere under the bridge. Yeah, because he lives together with the beggars. And the beggars, those homeless people, they mostly find a bridge, you know, under the bridge somewhere, and they settle down there. You, did you see something like that somewhere? Where? In Germany? In Poland? Stockholm too? Okay. And in India. 
Yeah, most of the monks, yeah, they just beg for food, and then when they go home, they sleep under the bridge. Yeah, the bridge there sometimes there are some kind of compartment. You see, yes, it looks like a small room, yeah? and then they find shelter there, and then they cover themselves. So at least they can for, uh, have something against the wind in some direction, not all direction. Yes, maybe one day the the bridge is like this, and one day they the wind blow from this way, and they they sleep here. And next day the wind blow from that way and they sleep over there. <laughs> so it's not bad, you know. It's no door and no lock and no need to worry about thieves or anything. Very interesting life. Hmm? So one day the disciple found him along, you know, together with these, these uh, beggars. So in Kyoto, you know Kyoto, Japan? The capital of Buddhism in Japan the capital of spiritual practice in Japan in the old time. Mm. And still now, still now, is still a lot of temples there. It's a very interesting place to visit if you want to. I'm not sure because I have never visited. <laughs> Everybody tell me to go there yes, for enlightenment. Yeah. Maybe I save it. When I have no more disciples, I'm old, have no more teeth, and I can go there for enlightenment. <laughs> So the disciple discovered the Master again and implored him to teach him uh, as a disciple again. So the Master refused, but uh, the disciple insisted, as usual, you know, always. The disciple know better <laughs> and must show sincerity, you know. Uh, anyhow, so he insisted that the Master accept him and teach him. So the Master said, Okay, if you do. Uh, if you can do as uh, as I myself do, whatever I do, if you can do for a few days, then I will think about accepting you as a teach uh, as a disciple. So the teacher say, no problem, me won't he? So former disciple dress himself also as a beggar. He think that to make him entitled, <laughs> looks like a master, yeah, and wear drag and. You know, and uh, encamp and put some ash smear on his facing, like it looks very much like a beggar now. So, stay a day with the master Toshi. The following day, one of the beggar died. One of them among them died. So, Toshi and his so called disciple carry the body at midnight and then bury, them, bury the body in a mountain place. Somewhere. After that, they return, and then to sleep in the night. Mm. The master slept very, very well. In in fact, he makes some of the autumn quaning noise, like <laughs> that's how we know he slept. Okay, but the disciple could not even close the eyes for one second. He kept thinking of the dead body and the smell. And the sight of it, the swollen faces and the protruding eyes and the nose water running and the, <laughs> and the unkempt and glut hair and the flies going to the nose and all kind of things like that. <laughs> and he can't sleep at all. Mm. Uh, but nevertheless, he stay. You know. But the worst thing comes in the morning. In the morning, the disciples prepare to go on begging with the master. 
as usual, because they're bigger, right? He thought to go back in is already the worst part of, 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 of the beggar life. He, he could bear it, no problem. But then the master said, no, no, today we rest, we stay home. There's something uh, uh, left over over there, because uh, yesterday the, the, the dead person ate only half, and <laughs> half of his food <laughs> is left uh, in his bowl. We can share it, there's still a lot of them, so we don't have to go back in. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> so at lunchtime, <laughs> the disciple pack his tattered clothes belonging and say, Senor <laughs> So if you think you can always follow a master, then you may try Kyoto Bridge, all right? <laughs> See how you can fare. <laughs> yes. We always think we are not attached to everything, but it's not always the case. Yeah? For example, when the master was a master, you know, Toshu was a master, of course he lived in temple, right? He wear ornamented clothings and stuff with gold and diamond, and wear hats ornamented with ruby and gold and things like that. And he sleeps in a very beautiful, decorated, carved, temple room, all right? And when he went out, he sit on a sedan chair and people carry him and people bow to him and offering him and many things that he want, even wives and uh, even, you know, women for him. Yeah, the, the Japanese master entitled to get married, yeah? And many people will take care of him day and night and, and offer anything he wants. So when he was a master, he lived this kind of life. So he was a master, and he lived that. But when he became a beggar, he's no longer a master, and he truly entered a beggar's life. So whatever there is in a beggar's life, he just accepts, you know? He lived truly the present moment. When he was in a master position, he lived as a master. When he was in a beggar position, he lived just as a beggar. But the disciple cannot do that. They cannot change from one time, from one day to another. That's the problem with many of us, because we are too attached to one position or another, to, from one conception to another. We cannot uh, truly uh, put down the things of yesterday. There's a lot of difficulty. I know some of the people who used to be, at least one, huh? used to be first lady and things like that, you know? a great uh, personality, personage in a society. And after they have to relinquish their power due to uh, time, their term has ended, or that they lost their, they lost the election to re-elect re it again, or they lost their power due to some revolution or thing like that. After that, they cannot switch on to another kind of life, which is less glorious, less comfortable and less abundant. And they've continued to feel miserable. And they cry and all that. And, uh, and they try to keep the old style of life, you know, like everywhere they go, they must have bodyguards and limousine and things like that, even though they don't have <laughs> enough money anymore. And sometimes when they visit me, they, they send their bodyguards come in first and check my room, see whether I have any weapon hidden underneath, you know, 
<laughs> I should check their bodyguards, see whether they have anything to harm me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, for something like that. They come and check my room before the lady come, as if she is still the first lady. You know what I mean? What for do I want to kill her? Nobody wants to even know her anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that is the thing. And who's supposed to check who is a funny story. <laughs> you know what I mean? They are the one who have knives and guns and bombs and all kind of things. I'm the one who eat carrot sticks. <laughs> how, how can I kill her with a carrot stick? Or I kill her with a candy or cookies or what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's very funny. They just have it. They cannot realize that whatever you are, in whichever situation, you just live that situation and it's all right. But that's the one problem with the democracy. It is really humiliating for the people. One day to be president with all the pomp and show with the whole nation at your feet and another day became just nothing. Nobody even wants to know you anymore. This is a very funny story. But still, many people run for that fleeting store glory and sweat and bleed over that position and sometimes uh, humiliate each other, degrading each other in order to snatch that position. It's okay when they, if they go up and they can do something good, it's fine, but mostly just, just uh, good advertisement, good management that uh, win you the, the presidency. Uh, many times like that, not most of the time, many times like that. And so, I don't know how they live with their conscience, you know. <laughs> it's very difficult, it's very uh, funny situation in this world, you know. You give money to somebody to elect him president, give him all the money and the power, and later he rule over you. Yeah, and you become, uh, you know, his uh, subordinate, thing like that. It's very funny. As for, He's supposed to own you favor. He's supposed to work for you. But then he becomes your boss. And he can decide your life and death. You understand? Most of this world is so funny like that. It's not that he has his own mind to come and do it, and then, okay, fine, we still can accept it. But most of the time they take money from us. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they take power, and then we're scared of them. And we can't see them, and whenever we see them, there's bodyguards and god bodies and guns and all kind of things. Yeah. And it's we who help them to become in that position, in that power. And it's very funny. So think about it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Hmm? Why do we go to that? What was it before? Tell me. Detachment. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's mostly very difficult for us, you see. So sometimes, um, for example, a master of, of, of old time, yeah? They're supposed to wear a kind of monk's clothes, yeah? So if suddenly that master changed into beautiful clothes, you're shocked. You can't accept it. You're bewildered. You're confused. And then you say, goodbye. I go and find another monk. <laughs> Thing like that. Yeah, that's why many people cannot understand the essential as essence of the teaching of any master, because they just keep looking for one thing or another from the Master, physically, but not the real thing behind all this. That's why most of the Master, they, they wear the same clothes all the time. Even if they don't wear monk's clothes, they don't shave their head, they wear one kind of clothes all the time, you see? 
like with turban or with bear or with the long robe, you know, their appearance never changed. In order not to shock the disciples and not to lose them. Yeah? And the disciples always have the same image of the Master in their mind, always like this. Oh. <laughs> or like that. Like Bodhidharma, you know. <laughs> With the earring. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> uh, that's how the advertisement work too, you know? That's how politicians work. They always have one image all the time, and that's very strong on people's mind. That's how uh, we are captivated, you see? Because people, this is a psychological, people are used to with things that they know, and they're happy with it. Every change frightens them. Any change, bad or good, frightens them. That's why also very difficult for people to accept the Kuan Yin Method, because it's supposed to be a secret in old time. It's not easy to get this. That's why it's not popular. It's not like rock and roll. Not everybody knows it. So when I introduce it, people will, you know, kind of jump back and think, what is that? It's new. Whatever, whatever new is no good. <laughs> thing like that. You see what I mean? Yes. So that's why not many masters dare to venture, you know, to shake the foundation of the attachment of the disciples. They're risking their reputation and risking you know, the master's own reputation and risking the disciples' uh, doubt, doubtful heart because they will leave. So if you want to leave, uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> if you want to stay, I'm also not surprised because you're wise. Yeah? If you're wise, you, you stay. If you leave, it's also okay. Whatever you do is fine. Yeah? But the thing is, that's why you see in the, since the ancient time, there are many sects, many uh, schools. It's always kind of uniform. You see, the master wear like that, and the disciple, the one who follow, wear the same thing. But I wanted to make a change. So many people did that already, and it didn't work. So I want to make something new, see how it works. And it worked. Huh? It does work, huh? It does, huh? Okay. I mean, you, you, you love the master anyhow, doesn't matter what the master looks, right? But if something new every day and something nice also is pleasant to our eyes, yeah? Because, uh, well, especially here, the surrounding is so miserable. <laughs> no flowers and no water, so dry and so, you know, so wide and this is not much here, huh? Well, I feel a little bit sorry for you, but, well, at least we have a place like this, huh? And there's a translation professional booth, huh? <laughs> oh, they all sit there, at least they look good, huh? <laughs> and we have a roof under, uh, above our head, huh? In case it rains, huh? It rains a lot now, huh? Anyhow. So, um, because it's so miserable outside, we don't care so much to walk around, so it's also good. So we all sit here together. <laughs> And this is also good. You're more concentrated. Huh? Nothing to take your attention away. <laughs> but sometimes, even in a retreat, I also would like you to relax in between, you know. If there is a better surrounding, it would be also good for you. Yes, because when you feel good, it means your heart, your mind, your body, relax. Yes, it's no tight, no struggling, and no confusion, no tense. 
tenseness. Yeah. So it just completely relax, and then you become childlike, more happy. Then nothing obstructs you. Huh? Just like when you fall in love, huh? you feel good and you relax, and then you don't feel angry or you nothing disturbs you so much. So the environment is also very important, especially we are here only for a few days. Yeah, when we first came, the first impression we see is oh, yellow grass, <laughs> brown tree, <laughs> uh, uneven stone roads, and nothing else. See what I mean? So you feel a little bit, uh, you know, agitated, agitated, and things like that. But if you come immediately, you see, you know, good welcoming, flowers everywhere, some sound of water running, yeah, beautiful trees, and people happy, and things like that. And you feel all immediately uh, tuned in with the surrounding, and you don't feel like you are alien person, don't feel strange, stranger in this land, and immediately. You tune in and you meditate. You feel the smoothness between you and around you and the nature. Uh, so there is no obstruction in between. But when you see a lousy environment, it does affect us, does it not? Did it affect you? Yeah? If it's not, then you're better than me. It affected me. I didn't like it. When I stepped out, I said, Oh my God, I don't like it. <laughs> but I already knew. I already knew. I just accepted because of you. I already knew it's not going to be that good. Yes, I told them before you come, before we came here. I say it's not going to be very uh, pleasing to you. It will be very disappointing. So we try to, how say, pass our time, and quickly, <laughs> and then we pack and go. <laughs> so okay, huh? Okay. So you try to enjoy already, huh? Even if you did not enjoy. It's nearly finished. Yes, tomorrow you go. Then we see each other perhaps uh, another time, okay? And uh, I say in a few, maybe next week I go back to Taiwan for the moon festival. Mm? And there is, a, there is a schedule for the whole year when it's an international retreat. So most probably that I will be with you on the retreat. I don't know where. Maybe Taiwan, maybe somewhere else. We we will never know. But when it's an international retreat, that means uh, I'll be there. Okay. So you arrange your schedule. You cannot come this time. You come next time. Thing like that. But still, make sure. Okay. Yeah. Because you know international, so you know at least master is ninety percent there. So you make sure that she is there or not, and then you book your ticket or arrange your schedule. All right. But I try to always be on time for international international retreat. Doesn't matter where, hey. So good night. And since you are, since you have seen me already here this week, you don't have to go to Taiwan for the moon cake. Okay, it's too expensive for the cake. <laughs> but maybe we see each other again some other time. Hmm? I will be in uh, probably in Munich for a while, and if you are in the Munich center, perhaps you see me. Perhaps, okay. I don't say anything, because I hate to promise. If I promise, I have to come, and I don't like that. Oh, my Zen, <laughs> my Zen dropped on the floor. So everyone is happy. Yeah.
Sing a song. You, you have all the tape. I will try to improve if I can, you know, for the next CD or something like that. But you, you, huh? Never, will I never? She said, I'm very pretty today. I said, only today? Not every day? Extremely? You like white? Okay. It's just because it says uh, representing the purity inside you, so you like it. Actually, it's not much. You know my, my design? Yeah? You see it? Well, I try to come and see you off, okay? Very well, Right?
I just want to make sure that you know that I am a woman. <laughs> and to make sure that you know that women can also become Buddha. <laughs> But in case you think I'm a woman, you're also wrong. <laughs> and in case you think that woman can become a Buddha, you're also wrong. As long as you still think that we are women, we cannot become Buddha. As soon as, as long as we still think that we are men, we also cannot become Buddha. All right? So while you meditate, at least forget what you are, and then no desire will arise, because women have different desire, men have different desire. So if we don't think that we are men, we don't think that we are women, everything will come naturally, yes, and everything we need will come to us. That's the only purpose of meditation. <laughs> Thank you. Anyhow, we have to go. If not today, then tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then the day after. But we will have time to see each other again, I hope. If not, then we see each other, for sure. You cannot escape. <laughs> Besides, during your meditation or during your daily activities, we are always together. You know that. Huh? And if you still don't know, try to know by putting more attention into whatever happens around us. You will know that the Master Power is always with us and that we are always together. We are always together. Yes, yes, everyone, yes. And then finally, there's no one. Mm. But it's all right to be individual like us. It's all right. It's all right to have me, you, because like this, the play goes on. Like this, we have something to do. Like this, we have something to pass our time in this illusionary world. Otherwise, if we every day realize that everybody is one, me and you are nobody, and nobody is you and me, then uh, <laughs> sometimes it's boring. We have not much to do. Eh? I saw some of you are crying, but you know what? Men don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> Only Buddhas cry. <laughs> I have to take the opportunity before we go to thank the kitchen staff. Is the kitchen staff here? Where? All of you? Kitchen staff here? Every day same? Đâu kêu mấy người mà kitchen nhớ kitchen? Ai à, tôi nghiệp không? Ăn uống nhưng mà lo ăn dữ vậy. They take care so much. Every day the same one? Yeah? Different every day. Uh -huh. So, anyhow, come, come here, come here. <laughs> and the, uh, the Hufa, huh? the guardian, come, come over here. Right. And uh, we have to thank the uh, the translators, huh?
these days, these people sacrifice so much for us, and we cannot repay them. <laughs> We can never repay, repay the love of the people who sacrifice for us. But nevertheless, we can do the same next time. To revenge, right? <laughs> and the chauffeur and all that, driver. And the guard, are the guards here? Thank you, huh? Huh? Everybody, miss, mix. Michael, right? Daniel. <laughs> so you know I'm getting old. <laughs> Jasper. Indian name? Thank you. Oh, how come so many people? What's all this? <laughs> no, you have already. Come, come. Different day, never mind. Take, 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 take. <laughs> Don't take my time. Go, go, go. Get, get. <laughs> uh, I just symbolically give the people today because I didn't have. All of you have already. What is the matter with you? Huh? <laughs> Do you think you cook for me? Anyhow, come. Share, okay? Share that. That is for the kitchen only. The other people hands off, okay? <laughs> Anyhow, <clears throat> and many people, huh? Many other people, especially me. Yeah, I work very hard. <laughs> I work very hard with you, in order so that we clean the floor, <laughs> the floor of our ego. Hmm? And then today everybody looks so good, radiant, and uh, punctual. <laughs> so next time you know uh, what is the retreat like and be more serious. I am a very fun-loving person, but when, when I do something, I do it, you know? Like when I eat, I eat. When I sleep, I sleep. That's the spirit of Zen. Yeah. And when you be a wife, you be a wife, huh? But when you meditate, you meditate. That's how we become successful. That is the the how to say the, the technique, yeah, of doing everything in this life. I will tell you a secret. It's nothing myst mysterious about meditation and getting everything we want after meditation. There is not a God who sits there and gives you or take things away from you. There is a way to... Uh, the children, get out. Behind there, okay? You see, that's why I cannot have children on the retreat, huh? Because they make trouble. <laughs> it's not that they're bad, it's just the children are like that. The children cannot uh, sit too long. And besides, you know the story I told you about the, the other master, huh? See? If you insist, sometimes insist to, to have something from me, maybe I will give in, maybe I give it to you, but later you won't have anything else again.
But sometimes the karma is very difficult, you know. That person just see the children once, and then later he cannot see anybody else anymore. Now he doesn't even let his disciple from Germany come to see him. Nobody comes see him anymore. See that? See the price we have to pay for the children sometimes. Terrible. I hope you realize that later and don't ask me too many things, all right? Like why the children cannot come and sit here with you and, and why you, some people cannot sit here. Because you, you cannot behave the way it should be. Eh? Now my time is up. <laughs> I'll tell you next time, okay? I'm sorry, I must go. Goodbye.